Hi, this is Mike Young with Noble Warriors. Welcome to the Noble Man Podcast, Episode 17. Our topic and title for tonight is The Noble Man Invests in Other Men. And we're going to be meeting together. I'm going to have a conversation with some young men that actually go to my church and uh, are currently or have been part of a small group of young couples that Stacy and I lead. These young men have been invested in by seasoned men somewhere along the way in their lives. They're mature, young believers, and I'm just so excited to be able to know them, to see them step up and lead in our church and our community. And so I wanted to talk with them about who invested in them and what that looked like. So uh, would you join us now, take a seat at the table like we did some time ago for a live conversation between me and a few guys about how seasoned men invested in young men to help them grow in their capacity to lead their families and the church. So I've got uh, several guys here around the table who are part of a small group or were part of a small group that Stacy and I uh, lead at our home church. And so these are guys who are already mature believers. They're younger than we are by about 20 years in most cases, I think. At least. What, at least 20 at years. Least, <laughs> yeah. And... Um, so these guys are, are mature much further than I was at their age. And so I'm excited to hear from them about who invested in them, who came alongside them and encouraged them in their faith, but also to ultimately figure out where are some, where are some gaps in what they understand or what would they like to know if they were to sit with an older man, with a wise man who's got a few more years on him down the road, um, what questions would they ask? So I, I want to start by just kind of talking about our discipleship experience and who invested in us. And, and the first question of that I, I mentioned to you guys kind of in our, in our kickoff just conversation was, biblically, we see in Deuteronomy and, and a number of other passages that the primary discipler in the life of a kid should be dad, mom and dad together investing strategically in their kids. And uh, so my dad did the best that he could with that. Um, there were, you know, he only had gone so far, and so there were limitations there, but he ran as hard as he could and took me as far as he could. Uh, he tried to lead devotions for us. We were in church consistently. He invested in me because he knew the value of it. But then there were other guys that picked up on that. Um, but let me stop here and say, hey, what was discipleship and church life like for you as a youngster, before you left home, what kind of encouragement or discipleship or modeling did you see that gave you a starting point, at least for your faith walk? Who wants to start? All eyes are on Jay. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll go for it. This is Daniel. So, I mean, I, I grew up in church. I mean, as, as long as I can remember, I was there whether I, I wanted to be or not. Yeah. Uh, you know, youth choir, I hated, you know, certain things like that. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, uh, there was definitely fond memories, you know, as part of a youth group and that sort of thing. And, you know, going to camp and, and doing all those sort of things was, was incredible. And, and so I think for me, a, a couple of the biggest guys in my life, there were yeah. a couple of different youth pastors along the way that that discipled me. And, and, and the cool thing about discipleship is, at least if they're doing it right, you don't even really know what's going on. Right. And it's like, hey, we're going to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. And we're like – 
I like to eat. I'm a big dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you, you can sort of look back after all those years and see that, like, like these guys invested in me and, and cared for me and, and loved me in those ways. And it was certainly transformational for me, you know, particularly, you know, 6th to 12th grade, those youth yeah. group years where, you know, you don't know who you are or what you're doing. But their investment in me was uh, huge. Awesome. Cool. Jay or Nate, what are you thinking about? Yeah, this is Nathan here. Um, so you want to talk about consistency. My parents were uh, 100% consistent. I grew up in the church as well. Um, being a parent now, you definitely know what it means. Your children are always watching. Yeah. We were always watching. <laughs> and my parents were not perfect, but as far as going to church, we were always at church. Yeah. Um, even if someone was going to King's Dominion or Bush Gardens or we were not going. If it was a Wednesday or a Sunday, we were going to church. Um, so I definitely uh, can say that my parents modeled, you know, the discipline of going to church whenever the doors were open. So um, that consistency really is what, you know, even like Daniel said, even though we didn't want to go sometimes, you know, looking back on it and as an older teenager, you definitely, um, you know, appreciated that. Um, you were forced to be engaged. You were forced to be involved. And then, you know, you respect that down the road. So Yeah. Now, I have a specific question for you because Daniel mentioned not really being fond of youth choir. Now, you sing in the choir at our church, and I enjoy watching you worship. I mean, it's, it's something that's meaningful to you. So were you, uh, did you enjoy the youth choir, or is that a newfound passion to, to sing and worship in that way? No, I always like to sing, and both my parents can sing really well. Like, my mom, she if she wanted to be a secular singer, she could have been legit. Yeah. Um, but... It was kind of like what Daniel said. We didn't really know what was going on. We just did what happened. So yeah. if we could sing, or even people that couldn't sing, we just did it because it was part of the curriculum, I guess you could yeah. say. Yeah. So yeah, I enjoyed that. That's awesome. So, Jay, what about your experience? Well, it's funny because you mentioned um, being forced to do things and forcing to engage. And so uh, my parents came into, uh, they became believers a little later in life. And um, so that meant, I was already a couple years old before I heard my for first story and ever set foot in a church. Um, but immediately my parents started plugging in and getting involved. Uh, my dad was doing graduate work. And so he, um, he and my mom got other Chinese students together and they just started a fellowship. And yeah, I mean, that thing just exploded and they, uh, they, it just, it, it was huge. Uh, and, um, so they they plugged me in at church as well, and so I was involved with AV at, when I was like four or five years old, which is crazy because what kid knows how to type on a computer and post it on screen at five years old, right? Yeah, you know. But I was doing stuff like that. I was working the cameras, uh, you know, like it just uh, I don't know. Just seeing the passion that my parents had kind of propelled me along, and so when they quote unquote forced me to engage, it really wasn't that big of a jump, you know. Um, and then as I got a little older and could understand more of what was actually happening, then I started noticing the people who they were always involved, but they also had like some kind of fire behind them, you know, yeah. and, and you're like trying to figure out what is that fire? What is that? What is it that drives them? And, um, and uh, probably wasn't a, until I was like a junior in high school before it finally clicked and it was like, that's what it is. Cool. So I'm, I'm hearing a couple of patterns here. One is consistency, being present at 
church and involved, uh, sometimes not because you wanted to, but because you were forced to, which is not altogether bad. I'm hearing passion. Um, uh, I hear service. You, you served, you sang, you did whatever was required. And so you saw your parents living this out in some way. And um, so those are some things that we can take home from this conversation even today. And because I imagine there are going to be some guys out there with young kids and are thinking, you know, I, it's not a big deal that we're not going to church consistently or whatever. We miss every other weekend. But it is a big deal, I think. To That consistency is important. And I, and I want to ping on something else, too. You You got involved early while it was fun and just a gee whiz thing that you got to be part of something that was more significant than a five-year-old should have been doing. Right. And, and so I love this part of parenting where we get our kids involved in something that they think is wow fun, because if you try to get them started on something like that when they're 14, it doesn't typically go well, but you get them started early and they really dig into it. So, um, let them experience those things. Well, let me, let me ask you this, um, Beyond your parents, was there a, uh, a guy that you looked at his life and his family, and this was someone that you said, I, I'm watching him because I see something in this man, in his marriage, in his fathering, in his business experience, even though you might not have realized what you were seeing at the time, was there someone that caught your attention and you said, I'm, I want to learn from this guy. And, and the guy that comes to mind for me is a, is a guy at my home church by the name of Malcolm Bunch. And I just remember watching Malcolm, the way he carried himself, the way he responded to things, the way he talked to people, the way he engaged. He was someone that I said, I, I can learn from this guy. And so I wanted to watch him all the time. So is there a guy that you can remember that you were paying attention to as a young man? How young? Well, I don't know. That's a fair question. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can think of a guy now. In, in, so so I, I started dating my wife in high school. Yeah. And dated all through college and, the, and that sort of thing. But, you know, the, there, there was one guy actually went, went to her church that he, he was a business owner, had, had three daughters, loved Jesus. And, and obviously, as a business owner, he had some money. And, and I always saw how he was faithful to put his money where his mouth was. Yeah. It wasn't just like I show up on Sunday and do that sort of stuff, but like, like if, if y'all won't go to beach week, I'll take this entire senior class to Florida and go have fun down there. Like, you know, so, some things like that to, to model what it, what it is to be a Christian. And, and he, he just, he did a great job, job of, of loving his wife, of showing his three daughters, the gospel, yeah, uh, you know, all those sort of things. And, you know, he, he, even to this day is somebody I can call and, and talk to and say, Hey, like, what do I need to do in this situation? Yeah. You know, and he's, he's, he's a good dude. That's awesome. Anybody else think of someone that is was an iconic sort of person that caught your attention? I, I kind of had a couple guys, and it was like yeah. different different times of life. So yeah. when I was in high school, it was a uh, it was when I was a freshman in high school, and it was a high school senior, and I just looked at him and was like, "You've got it," and I want it. You know, I couldn't figure it out, um, but but he kind of noticed me and kind of took me under his wing. You know, and um, so I, I looked up to him for for the year that we were you know hanging out, and then he went off to school and had to figure it out on, on my own from there. Uh, but um, when I got to college, um, the campus pastor there, I'm going to give him a shout out, Johnny Pons. Mm -hmm. Like uh, 
he would just have us over into his house. Like we, we were just a part of his family and it didn't matter that we were there two years, four years, six years. It didn't matter to him. We were just, we were you were on family. the six year plan. I was not, okay. <laughs> I was on the four and a half year plan. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, he was just, he was so inviting yeah. and like, and his whole family was in it, you know, like his, his wife and his three young boys, like they, they just loved being around college students and investing in college students. And he sat down with me and I, I was strongly considering proposing to my girlfriend at the time. He was like, okay, let's talk about this. Cause I don't know if you're actually ready. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> um, but you know, he also helped me work through like, what on earth am I going to do in life? Yeah. You know, cause I'm, I'm here in college trying to prepare for the rest of my life. And I really had no idea what I wanted to do. And you know, that uh, just, sitting and talking with him was enough to just focus in on let's get priorities down let's figure out what you know what on earth am i here for yeah um and so uh that was college and then after college i came home and my parents said well you should probably give back to the church and i thought well that's a good idea but i don't even know how to begin doing that um and so there was a guy who was um he was uh, he, he was trying to start a college ministry and working with college kids. And so uh, a couple of buddies and I, we, we were all, you know, same year graduates. And so we were uh, we started going and attending his fellowships. And and he did the same thing as, as Johnny Pons was just invite us into his home. You know, it's just come hang out and let's yeah. talk. Let's you know, let's let's talk through whatever it is you're going through or you know, or whatever is you know good in life you know just whatever and um and so you know between the two of them i realized you know it's just because we're christians doesn't mean we don't get to have fun yeah you know and it, it's pretty cool and and i saw in them the same um uh, desire to to serve others that i saw in my parents and i said if that's you know being reflected here then there, there's got to be something to it and um, so then I couldn't quite figure it out until uh, I got married. And then um, to a different girl, different girl. Yeah. Not, not the college, not the college just, girl. Just wanted to clarify. This is down the road. He, he um, was right. <laughs> he was right. Um, so, yeah, after we got married, we started going to a uh, uh, church. Um, we just started a new church together. Yeah. And, um, about the same time that we started there, they hired a young adult pastor and we became quick friends with him because we were basically the same age and, you know, same interests. And so we hung out and we got talking. And so the, uh, really the three of us kicked off this young adult program that just like exploded because we were all about service. Yeah. Like we were there to help others with whatever they needed and whatever they really wanted. And like, we, we just, built up this program that we were so sad to leave when we came to Virginia, but you know, like that service is where it's at. Yeah. If you are serving others, people are going to notice and they're going to flock to you. That's awesome. Good. Nate, anything come to mind about someone who, uh, took you further or became a, a model for you? I'm trying to think. I'm going through the files, but no one more than my dad. Yeah, um, honestly, no one. I mean, there was people along the way, but no one that really sticks out in my mind. Yeah. So, and that's what a cool testimony that your dad was that type of guy. So I I I just love to kind of reflect on this and and pull some things out. What I hear here is um, 
Daniel, your guy modeled generosity and and caring and availability. The the thing that I hear here is availability. So someone who is available, someone who is walking the talk, and and really this comes down to if you read first. Um, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, the qualifications of elders and deacons. And so some of what you guys have said already are exemplified in those texts where Paul is telling Timothy and Titus, these are the types of guys that you look for to place as elders and deacons in the local church. I also loved what I, what I heard from you, Jay, about when you were a freshman in high school, the senior in high school, uh, you noticed him and he noticed you. I think if you're a younger guy who happens to be listening to this, and I know that that my sons kind of point some of their buddies to this podcast, never, young guys out there, never get to the point where you think no one's watching you because someone is watching you. You can always, if you're a high school freshman, you could turn around and help a middle school guy. You can be a mentor or an encourager to someone right behind you. And so I just love the fact that this was a high school senior investing in a high school freshman. That's a big deal. I also hear hospitality. I, I tell you, sometimes we tend to think of hospitality as being a, a woman's domain in the Christian faith, that she's cooking or preparing. But I know for our family, it's a big deal for our entire family to be involved in having folks over and preparing the house and being excited about inviting people to be part of what's going on in our home. And so hospitality is a family issue. And really, if it's going to be done well, then then dad needs to be intimately involved in that as, as well. Um, the availability to give wisdom and advice is huge. You got advice and wisdom about marriage and career. You got advice and, mar- and, and wisdom. Even now, you said you'll call this guy. Yeah, you know, he, he actually tried to tell me, it was like, I think we were just a, a couple of years into dating. He's like, why haven't you put a ring on it? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm in college. Yeah. But he was serious. I mean, he, he's yeah. paying attention. He's watching you. And then service. I love the idea that, that Christianity and our faith lived out means that we're going to serve and invest in other people. So you're seeing these. These things are being built into um, your lives by other men. Now, let me ask you, it was when I think about discipleship, the term discipleship, many people think about this being a very formal process where you're going through a book together or a study together and it has some sort of predictable path or plan. Um, and there was a guy in my life, Carrie Bates. I mean, there have been a couple of guys, but Carrie Bates specifically um, just pulled me aside and, and, and said, I see something in you and I'd like to fan it into flame. I, those aren't the exact words that he used, but that's a biblical term. It, and um, so he took me through a curriculum called Master Life. And it, you know, so it was daily homework, weekly small group meetings, scripture memory and all that stuff. Did either any of you have guys who came to you and said, hey, I want to take you through something formal like that? Did you have a process like that at any point in your life? Yeah, so so in high school, I think I was like maybe a junior or senior in high school. There there was one guy. So there was a couple of youth pastors that were influential, but there was another guy that was just a leader that was kind of helping out with the youth and that sort of thing. He he pulled me and uh, two other guys, you know, that were my age, and I, I think we went through some book. It, it was something formal right. formalish. I don't even remember what it was, but 
you know, he was he was vulnerable and honest and, you know, it, it walked through a lot of different things. And, you know, it lasted maybe a year or something. I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't this, like, crazy four-year process or something. But, right. you know, I, I, I definitely remember that. And yeah. he's, he's actually a, a pastor now here in Richmond, so. Yeah. Nathan or Jay, anyone ever walk you through anything like that that was memorable? Kind of, sort of. Um, Mike Young did. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went through Love and Respect with Mike yeah. Young. Yeah. And um, that, that was probably the first time I had heard, like, I mean, I had heard, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And, yeah. But he never really did a study on anything even remotely like that until we went through Love and Respect. Um, and then uh, Sam and I went to um, Weekend to Remember. Yeah. You know, and that just kind of, yeah, just piggybacked really. I mean, they right. they just complement each other, um, and and so uh, we we try to find um, little mini sessions like that whenever we can, um, just to kind of refresh our refresh our minds, you know, because um, we forget sometimes day to day. But uh, um, the the whole reason we even got into Weekend to Remember was my parents were um, they had volunteered at a Weekend to Remember event. Sure. And so they got free tickets and they're like, well, we want to give it to you on your anniversary because we think that'd make a great gift. And we're like, yeah, that's actually awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, but, you know, things like that. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, any particular person sat down and was like, hey, you need to go through this. It was right. more of where we were in life and just kind of went with it. Yeah. Gotcha. Nate, anything that comes to mind in that regard? Uh, nothing specifically for just young men, but, I mean, youth had curriculum, and kind of like Daniel, I, I can't really think of anything specific. Uh, we use something called proteins. I don't know if any of you know what that is. Uh, that yeah. might be a independent practice thing, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> but, I mean, we had curriculum that we followed, and, um, I mean, it was uh, definitely um, – it was good, and it was engaging and informative. Um, so – and I was kind of a leader in the youth group as well. So we had other things that they would just have the leaders uh, go over. So I don't know if that's, um, I mean, there was females in there too, but nothing specific uh, for just men. But I mean, I guess typical uh, youth group curriculum. So let me ask you this. One of the keys to walking faithfully with Christ is to be in the word on a regular basis, to be consistent in reading and prayer. Who taught you how to engage the word in a healthy way? and to hear God speak through the scripture and to listen to him through prayer and to take your petitions to him. Where did you learn that? Did it just did it come through sermons and youth group stuff, or did, did someone teach you how to engage the word in a meaningful way? I, I think for me, you know, after I got saved, I mean, it's just like you're supposed to read and, you know, pray and stuff, and I was like, okay. I think that's how it goes for a lot. You're supposed to read and pray and stuff. Yeah, you're like, and it sounds like, uh, what is that? Uh, Nacho Libre. Almost. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, and I don't know if it's a sermon or, you know, in the youth group or what it was, but, you know, like, okay, I can, I can do that. But, yeah. I, I, you know, it's, and certainly I was reasonably faithful to, to read, you know, pretty much all, all throughout uh, middle and high school and that sort of thing. But it wasn't really until I got to college that, uh, after my freshman year, we went to a camp. I was part of uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship yeah. at BCU. And, yeah. Uh, we went to uh, Rockbridge and, 
I don't remember the name of the track, but it was basically how to study your Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is the, the short of it. And it, I mean, before that time, I didn't even really know what a commentary was. Right. You know, it was like, oh, well, this is helpful. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, like, for me, it went more from just like reading and, and sort of understanding to like studying the Bible. Right. So it, particularly that week long sort of intensive uh, really changed my view of, of how to how to read and study the Bible. Yeah. Awesome. Any other thoughts about how you got some instruction on that or some encouragement or where that might have come from? Well, it kind of sounds silly, but as a child back in the day, uh, I don't know if it was the same at your church, you got you got points for doing yeah. devotions. <laughs> uh, it was on an honor system, so hopefully people were being so honest. So does Nicole have a poster up in the house now when you get gold stars or anything? <laughs> no, we should probably do that. <laughs> Make our kids behave. Uh, but that's kind of where it started. You got points, so it's like, oh, we need to do this. Um, you know, but kind of like what Daniel said and what you said, it's read the Bible and, and learn verses. Yeah. So it was probably my mom that showed me what devotions look like. Um, she still to this day, probably if they still make them, has a, a Schofield yeah. study Bible. Yeah. That was what she always had. And um, you want to talk about consistency. You'd hear my mom in another room talking. And it's like nobody's in there, yeah. you know, and then you'll walk in and you'll be like, what are you doing? And she was talking to God. She was having a conversation. Um, she would always tell us to go in our closet of prayer. Yeah. Um, this was before War Room made it popular, yeah. right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, to make sure to do it. And like I said, consistency, she did it every single day. Um, sometimes we, I've said this before in our small group, but sometimes we'd find her in the corner talking like, well, what are you doing? She's in the corner praying. So she definitely modeled uh, what devotions look like and what prayer looks like. And, um, you know, that it's it's a conversation and it's, it's a real relationship. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, ritual uh it doesn't have to be a ritual kind of like read the bible okay learn a verse now what you know yeah so uh it's definitely a real relationship and and she modeled that and taught that so that's awesome that consistency comes up again yep and the modeling for young kids um folks if you're as you're listening to this don't ever underestimate how important it is for you to be a model for your kids and i'm just going to I'm just going to hammer the whole paper Bible thing here. I know I'm sitting here with some younger guys who are probably digital Bible guys a lot of times, but, but man, there's something about sitting in front of your kids with a paper Bible open. They know exactly what you're doing. And so um, I, I just appreciate so much that testimony of modeling there is powerful. Jay, can you, how, how'd you learn to do a quiet time? Wow. <laughs> it was a long, long process. Um, my dad tried to instill in us the, uh, I guess, the routine of, yeah. of digging into the Word every night and at least every day. And uh, for a while, he would try to have us read at the table with him after dinner. And But, you know, my, my brother and sister we, and I, we just, we didn't really want to do it, you know. Um, uh, but, you know, dad tried and he tried and he tried and he tried. And uh, it wasn't until really after I moved here to Virginia that I really clicked in, Oh, this is what it means to really get into the word. And it was like little bits and pieces I'd picked up along the way that finally all came together and clicked. And uh, 
like Daniel was saying, like I had no idea what a commentary was. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, it's Oh like, man, this thing helps so yeah, much. Yeah, <laughs> it makes so much more sense. And I always thought like it was sacrilegious to write in your Bible. Yeah. And so like, I never did that. I would always like draw on the, on the sermon notes or your, the bulletins or whatever. And, um, and then sitting in Mike Young's class, you know, have a paper Bible and write in it. <laughs> that was like, I was like, I, heretic. I, I, <laughs> I told Sam, I said, I don't know if I could do this, but I'm going to give it a shot. And so one week I just, I started writing and, I, and it, it just exploded from there. You know, I, I took that first step and it just, it just came together, but it was I, all those little bits and pieces I had picked up along the way finally culminating in at one point and it just kind of exploded from there that is so cool yeah. uh it, I, I was at a conference one time and a and a speaker used to speak at pk quite a bit by the name of bishop larry jackson he's down in charlotte north carolina and he said if that bible you got is too holy for you to write in it you need to go get your bible to ain't so holy and <laughs> so he was just so funny <laughs> saying that because he was like you need to underline and write and mark and and uh and capture your thoughts in the word and so i just have have always held on to that um you know something else i want to point out i asked you guys about a formal discipleship process and i am uh honestly when i get into dialogues and discussions and debates about what discipleship is i have a very broad perspective on what discipleship is some some guys think that it's a <clears throat> they define it as a process that is very clearly marked out and it's definitive in terms of time and process and everything. And um, I don't see it that way. I mean, you had, you grew a year's worth in a week at Ridge, uh, not Ridgecrest, but uh, uh, Rockbridge. Rockbridge. Yeah. And, it, you know, so it was bits and pieces for you, Jay, of people investing in you and you observing things that all of a sudden culminate together and and you even now give testimony of your parents influence and what you saw in them and so i i believe that discipleship happens in a lot of different ways i i believe even standing in line at walmart we could have a spiritual conversation that would encourage someone in their faith and i call that discipleship in a moment it's, it's just a point of contact where we can encourage someone in their faith and we may never see them again, but that's a discipleship moment if we're encouraging them in their faith. Um, so I, you know, it's really cool to be able to look in the rearview mirror and see how people have invested in us, but also for you guys to think about how am I investing in others? Because you guys all, you've got your son at home, a young fella, uh, you've got two kids at home, you've got two kids at home. And so you guys are, you guys have to take seriously now your responsibility to model these things in front of your family it's it, the game is different now isn't it yeah well and, and I, I think you're right because i mean discipleship can happen anywhere i mean yeah if we look back at the gospels we see J jesus discipled the disciples yeah by taking five loaves or 
Yeah, five loaves and two fish, right? And, and, and turning it into, into a multitude of food for all these people because, like, that experience taught them incredible amounts. To yeah, because it says he knew what he was going to do, but asked them the question. That's, that's <laughs> exactly a, that's a little conniving. It feels like, but it's the it's the teaching method, isn't it? Yep. Right, teacher? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and this, certainly, there's numerous times where where he he preached yeah. and taught and that sort of thing. But there's numerous times. I mean. He's on the boat and the, the storm's coming about and everybody's like, the world's ended. Jesus, wake up. What's yeah, going on? Yeah. You know, and then, you know, J- Jesus takes care of that. He teaches them, like, just trust me. Like, I've got this. And yeah. so there was n- numerous times th- throughout the word that it's, you know, it wasn't e- expository preaching that, that right. taught those people and discipled those people. Yeah, they weren't in a classroom format. There's there's some art uh, marketing photo in uh, in Christian literature now that shows what it appears to be Jesus standing in front of a classroom and the disciples are all sitting in desks. And, <laughs> and they say, this is not how discipleship occurred in the New Testament. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's really all over the place. Now, here's I, I want to kind of twist this a little bit now because you guys are young. You're young dads. You've been married for a few years. Um, what would you say are the gaps in, in what you understand about what you're facing next or what questions would you have if if there were a guy who would come and say jay i'd like to take you out for a cup of coffee dan i i'd like to can i take you for breakfast nathan could i could i come hang out at my fire pit ask me a question what what is the wisdom that you need at this point for where you are in life what are some of those questions that you would ask you know, one one question I've I've always had, and I mean, t- particularly for for those guys that are a little more senior in their careers and that sort of thing, maybe even business owners or yeah, you know, w- wherever they're at. But how do we effectively communicate the gospel when you're in those leadership positions and and, and not cross lines you're not supposed to in that sort of because. I feel like the cop-out answer is always like, well, I'm just, I'm going to be a good Christian and I'm not yeah. going to like go get drunk and stuff. And like, but that's such a cop-out answer. Like that's not what, like God doesn't call us to be moral. I mean, so certainly that that's fruits of, of who we are, Yeah. but, but how do we effectively communicate the gospel to, you know, our employees that are under us and our employees that are beside of us, like those sort of things that are particularly challenging at work. That's awesome. So as a business owner, a manager, how do, how do I do this? All right, what's another one? I'm not going to answer them. I don't know the answers. But but here's what I, listener, if you're listening to this, here's what I want you to do. You know the answers to some of these questions because you're living this out. Some of you seasoned men. And and so part of the reason we're going through this exercise with these younger guys is there is someone near you in your sphere of influence who would have this same question. So I, I, I just want you to begin to pray, to ask God to open your eyes to the guy that you could tap on the shoulder and say, hey, let's hang out for a little bit and just let him ask you questions. So what are some more questions, Jay or Nate? What what comes to mind? What wh- Where are the wisdom gaps for you right now? Well, with little ones at home, uh, 2.5, I s- should say. I got another one coming in <laughs> seven right. weeks. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, two and four right now. Um, just starting the spiritual, uh, I guess, discipleship with them as little people teaching them right from wrong at this point, um, teaching them how to pray, um, reading their picture story Bible with them and hoping they comprehend as much as they can, uh, modeling what a Christian's supposed to do as parents. 
um, kind of what that process looks like. Uh, where do we go from yeah. the beginning and how, what are we looking for in them? Um, you know, obviously we want them to, to reach salvation. Yeah. I guess discerning whether they're at that point where they can accept Jesus. Yeah. Um, just those kinds of things. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. What else? I kind of have two. So the, the first one is when do you start to have a father son like breakfast lunch dinner mm. type thing um because i had originally planned to do it when he turned one and you know i had it all figured out and then covid hit yeah and so we couldn't really do that we couldn't go out anywhere and so i just kind of put it on the back burner but i've been thinking about it more as you know we're we're opening more and more and so when do you when do you really start that you know yeah. and um because it i mean he understands and, and he gets it, you know, I mean, we have meals together now, so it really wouldn't make a difference if I went out somewhere with him. Like, uh, but, um, so, you know, what, what's a good time to start that? And then, um, the other one, I, I probably already know the answer to it, but you know, I don't want to think that I know all the answers. Um, uh, because I see that my son mirrors me. Mm. Right. So my question is, what's the secret to raising good kids? Mm. And, you know, like I said, I think I know the answer, but, you know, I could be wrong. So, well, you know, and so part of what I want to say to that is to the guy out there who thinks I have nothing to say to this because I'm not sure I've done. I, I, I look back and I see so many mistakes that I've made. Um, and and I'll tell you this, I was on the phone with with our oldest son last night and uh he recounted for us some of the things that we had failed to do as parents or, or we had conversations <laughs> about those things you know and so he's he's 24 years old and so it's just it's just very fun because um and and i'm saying this to you but but primarily to the guy out there listening because i know what satan does satan is going to try to keep you from speaking up and stepping up and engaging a question like that because he's going to remind you of the things that you think you didn't do well. And 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 what you need to understand is that Jay needs for you to sit down and tell him where you think you messed up but also where you think you got it right. And and let him work through that and let God use that time for you to both grow through what you learned and experienced. Um, and, and I'll, I'll just, I've got a good friend, a pastor here in Richmond who often says to me, bro, you got to eat the meat and spit out the bones. And, and so I just remember that not every bit of advice we get from someone, uh, do we want to apply in our own lives? And, and so, um, guys be willing to ask the questions. And for those of you who are seasoned men i don't call you old men or anything like that i call you seasoned men because you got some got some seasons under your belt but um be willing to step into the arena and have these conversations with these guys now i'm going to put you on the spot because you all kind of mentioned you had a, a, a kind of a business thing and you had a fathering thing all three of you guys are married so if you were to look around and ask someone a question about marriage, what would that question be? Keeping in mind that your wives may listen to this podcast. What, there may be something that she would, as a matter of fact, our next survey question is, wives, what would you like for someone to ask your husband in a men's small group? So um, what, what, would you, what advice do you need 
for marriage or Daniel, you pretty much got it figured out. I think. I didn't want to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, Les and I teach on marriage and I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about it and yeah. I've, I've read it. <laughs> well, I haven't read that many books, but <laughs> <laughs> he's looked at the pictures and a lot of books about marriage. <laughs> I, I've, I've read the, the one chapter in, in several books <laughs> Yeah, on sex, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love an honest guy. <laughs> I, I, I have read John Piper's Momentary Marriage several times. Okay, but, good. But, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I can't think of, like, a specific question because I've, I've tried so hard to invest in marriage. And, I mean, and Les and I kind of kind of headed, like, I mean, we, we dated for six years. We, we knew each other really, really well. Yeah. And we had gone over all those questions and that sort of thing. So when we finally got married. There wasn't a whole bunch of hiccups to to run through. You, right. you know, when you have really bad premarital or, or you don't know somebody that long, so, so sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, some yeah. of that. And we, we were able to kind of eliminate some of that. So, I mean, for, for the most part, it's it's been really good. So Good. And not, but not every testimony is like that. So you have to be willing to step into the, into the conversation. What, what questions might you guys have about the marriage thing or? I guess just a piece of advice on maintaining a strong marriage for many, many years. Yeah. So the people that have been married, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. What's the secret or one secret? Yeah. Have you guys noticed that marriage changes? So you, you had those early years and then, you know, after three or four years, you settle into routine and now you've got kids. Have you noticed how it changed with kids? And, uh, so the dynamics, the needs, the responsibilities change. What's your question that you would ask? What don't I know yet? Uh, because, you know, no matter what you encounter, you, you think, okay, I've got this all figured out, but you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And I don't know what's coming. You yeah. Know, I, I think I've got everything right now figured out, I think. She'll probably tell you otherwise. <laughs> uh, but... I, I don't know what's coming next. You know, I, it, it could be something small. It could be something huge. But, yeah. you know, what, what's coming next? What, what, I, what don't I see? Yeah. That's a fair question because yeah. I, I, I think one of the challenges is Satan is so cunning and so creative and he knows all of our weaknesses. And so even an area where you think I've, I'm, I'm pretty solid, he can sneak up and get you. And uh, so, so how do you maintain your guard in the midst of changing marriage? I, um, you know, and I'll just kind of jump into this. I, I know I'm older than you guys by, by 20 plus years, but we are watching people who are older than us by 20 plus years or, or you know, some margin. Um, we're getting ready to move into an empty nester phase. It's a it's a very different scenario when Hallelujah, our kids amen. are gone. I, yeah, to some extent. I mean, it's, it's very fun, but you know what? I, I and I would just so here I kind of get into the the old man, young man thing. I are the, the seasoned man sort of thing, but um, part of what we have sought to do is delight in our kids at every stage, and and so we enjoy our kids. Now it's not Stacy. Uh, we frequently will say, well it is time for them to leave. Um, and, and we want them to launch, but at the same time, man, it's really cool to enjoy them and their company. And, uh, 
But but we have to think through, okay, what does this next season of marriage looks like? And what does it afford us in terms of opportunity to be uh, to exhibit hospitality differently and availability differently and to to give wisdom differently and to be vulnerable and to to model some of these things that you guys have said are valuable um, and that you've seen along the way. So um, any other questions that you would ask a, a, a seasoned man if you could sit down and have coffee with him? I might give him a statement. Okay, what's your statement? So I, I would just say that like, you know, and it's not just a season. I mean, you see it across numerous generations and that sort yeah. of thing. But, you know, particularly there's three millennials sitting here at the table. And, you know, all the time you hear like, oh, well, they got participation trophies and yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But, like, somebody gave us those participation trophies. Yeah. Like, we didn't give them to ourselves. And so, like, will you guys give us discipleship? Mm. You know, like <laughs> – and this may sound critical, but like it's got to be the older generation yeah. coming to us. It, like in the same way, it's it's my responsibility as a father to go to my child. Like I can expect my child to follow Jesus if I don't teach him. Mm-hmm. And, and granted, I mean I'm I'm a grown man now. I mean I got a you know a three year old and a one year old, but but still like the, the older's got to come to the younger and say like this is what you need. Like let me help you. And 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 that would. Certainly, be what I would. But okay, so hold on just a moment. This is what I need. What you need. Let me help you. M- I know, maybe I know not Daniel well enough <laughs> that you know. Probably fifteen years ago, if I'd come to you and said, "Daniel, this is what you need. I can help you," they probably would not have gone over well. There would have to be a smoother delivery, I would think. Would well, you it, not? In it, 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 it eighteen, I, I probably would have ignored what you had to say. But, <laughs> but. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he'd, he'd be all over it now. Well, but but uh, like I said previously with some of the guys disciple yeah. me, they, they didn't come track me down and be like, you know, you're a terrible sinner. Right. This is what you need. They brought yeast rolls. <laughs> they, they brought yeast rolls. They said, do you want to go to Buffalo Wild Wings? Yeah. We played Uno at their house. You know, and, and certainly along the way, we studied the Bible and learned yeah. how to pray and do all these other things. And and so, no, it's not, let me come help you, but uh, let me take you out to dinner. Yeah. You know, let, let you know, us as a couple to take out this younger couple to dinner or, or, or whatever it looks like. Because, you know, the, the older guys, as, as Jay kind of said, tell us what we don't know. Because, yeah. I mean, and, and if I had a marriage question, that, that would be it. Yeah. Cause Right now, I think everything's going good, but I'm sure there's something I don't know 20 years from now. Yeah. You know, when I'm an empty nester or when I have, you know, elementary school kids or, or, or kids in, in a youth group that are, that are much older. Well, and God forbid that tragedy strikes your family or your home. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, there, there, there are situations that become spiritual pop quizzes where you just get blindsided and you almost have to have someone who's walked down that road in a particular way and done so well to be able to ask them, how do I make it through these challenging things? Um, so that's where you got to keep your head on a swivel looking around for where's, where's someone that, um, that can speak into that. And hopefully like you're saying, they will reach to you and, and uh, be aware of that. So, but let me turn the tables on you. Cause you guys are um, plus or minus 30 so um, I, I was at a church one time talking to a guy, to a pastor, and I said, so what do you do with your men? Uh, and he said, well, sometimes we'll, we'll do a thing that we call hollaback. And I said, what in the world is hollaback? And uh, so it turns out, if, if you saw the movie Courageous, Daniel Simmons is the pastor who does the, the resolution c- ceremony. 
Um, he pastors a church in Albany, Georgia, right there where Sherwood is. And uh, so this Hollaback thing is they would pick three guys out of the men's event that they were having, and they would put them up at front of the table, and they'd say, if you could holler back to yourself when you were I was j- literally, years- j- if you gave me an opportunity, I was going to say, what would you tell your 30- or 35-year-old self? That <laughs> exactly. Was, that was what I was going to say. So, yeah. Nathan, if you could holler back <laughs> to your 15-year-old self, mm. what would you say to yourself? You'd probably stop being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um Honestly, I don't know. I really don't. Um, maybe things aren't that serious. Like, don't yeah. take everything so seriously. Uh, and I would probably say, too, is um, at the end of the day, we're Christians, and at the end of the day, God is in control, and we can just consistently lean on that. Yeah. Uh, as a 15-year-old, I was probably trying to control situations and control uh, how things were going to come out and control how people perceived me. Um, I probably would have relied on God more and just at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what's going on. Like we have a hope in Christ. Yeah. Um, that's probably what I tell myself. That's awesome. And also don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> it begins and ends with don't be an idiot. Jay, if you could holler back to yourself at 20. Oof, 20. Stop chasing girls. Cause God's got a woman ready for you. Wow. To be patient in that. Daniel, if you could holler back to yourself when you were 25, I'm not sure how old you are, but that's uh, I'm, you're probably I'm 33. That was only okay. eight years ago. So that's only eight years ago. So, what would you say to yourself at 25? Are you any wiser now at 33 than you were at 25? Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> definitely than 18. But 25, I was spending way too much time in Alaska. I was working crazy hours and managing yeah. a job up there. Oh, I tell myself stop working so hard but i mean i didn't really have a choice yeah you know where it was a stage of life yeah but maybe an in 18 year old self i would you know probably probably tell myself to continue to be stubborn to be stubborn yeah i mean you know my mom always sort of said that was a, a bad thing and yeah you know maybe it was when i was five and being defiant but you know e- even being in college and that sort of thing and just you know an unwillingness to, to follow the crowd and that yeah. sort of thing you know served me well and I, I'll be honest with you, I was I was surprised when I first got to college and like it kind of told guys like I didn't do these sort of things. They're like, okay, cool. Like I expected all this pressure, like go to these parties and do all this yeah. sort of stuff, and it, it just wasn't there. It was like, okay, I mean, stay here. Yeah. We, we don't care. And so, you know, d- continue to be firm in what you believe, and yeah. you know, even stubborn at times if it's required. You know, I I can't resist saying this. Our youngest son uh, was our has been our hardest case. And uh, Stacy and I used to talk about that he he is a force to be reckoned with, and uh, we prayed and continue to pray that that God will hold on to him because we said if Satan ever gets him, it's going to be ugly because he's strong-willed just like that, and and so we've seen that strong-willed nature be an asset in his life, as you know it, it certainly can be a liability, but it's. But it's fascinating how you perceive those things as parents and how God can use what, uh, what seems to be a challenge to turn it into something that's, that's really a valuable asset. So, wow. Well, well this has been awesome. I, I am hopeful that uh, you guys will, you know, that seasoned men will continue to, to look for you and guys like you and invest in you. 
Um, but I'm also hopeful. I mean, that last little bit there, you need to be looking back and finding who can I come alongside and encourage and invest in. Uh, because if you're if you're just a few steps down the road, you can help someone else who's coming along behind you. And this whole business of discipleship, absolutely. Um, I think uh, folks who are more mature in the faith, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're older chronologically, but folks who are mature in the faith need to be investing in folks who are less mature and helping them in their walk. But we also have to recognize that that's a two-way street. We need to turn around and look for someone that we can bring along. And, and I would also say that you as, as dads, I, I just want to speak to that, um, the investments that you make in other people will be valuable in the sight of your own kids. And, and so don't go, get so hung up in my children are the only ones that I can invest in because they need to see you making investments in other folks and expanding the kingdom, investing in loving Jesus and loving people into the kingdom, serving, as you mentioned, Jay, and worshiping and singing. They, your kids are going to pay attention to the fact, Nathan, that you're in the choir. And, and, and they're going to say, that's my dad up there. Now, you will hit a point in their teenage years where that will embarrass the absolute daylights out of them, I'm sure, but they'll still remember and it'll be valuable to them. So don't forget those things. Um, so guys, as, as you're listening, my prayer is that the Lord will, will push you to the point where you are willing to say, you know what, I'm just going to spend a couple hours a week investing in someone. It doesn't have to be formal um, I'll, I'll even tell you, hey, if you need a tool or a strategy, then, man, I've got some great ones we can recommend to you. Point Man, um, The Man in the Mirror, this Master Life series is an old tool, but it's still awesome. Um, and, but there's nothing better than just getting into the Word with someone. And I love to recommend that you read the book of James with a man because James is so practically applicable. And can I tell you that James chapter 3 on the tongue— I, I don't know a single man that couldn't use some encouragement and some help with managing his tongue and uh, his tone of voice, his language, the way he speaks. And um, so there's so much in the book of James that would be a great place to, if you need a place to start. So Noble Warriors is here to help you in that and to encourage you and pray for you. So let us know how we can help you out there, guys. Any final words from you guys uh, to someone out there who might be listening who needs to take a step and invest in a younger man. Any thoughts? You know, I just want to say, you know, especially to the uh, maybe extra seasoned yeah. guys out there. I, when I was at the youth group, I, we went we went to Infuge every yeah. year, or Centrifuge, yeah. you know, yeah. one of the two. And, and I remember one guy in particular at the church, he was in his 60s. Yeah. And he he's went, real old then, I guess. Well, no, he's the <laughs> – but, like, I mean, he's, he's – he, he was old enough that going with the youth group for a week-long staying up until 2 in the morning kind of trip was certainly a stretch for him. You know, yeah. It was difficult. Yeah. But, you know, for some reason that still sticks out of my mind. And I remember being there. I mean, he was he was still trying to do mega relay. And, I mean, some of the, like, physically challenging things and just – I mean, it, it, I don't know. For whatever reason, it really, really spoke to us and that sort of thing that he would be there and, and be a part of it. I mean, we're just – high schoolers don't know anything and, and that sort of thing. So even as you – become well or extra seasoned you know there's there's always a place and people are watching you 
Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean that that's years ago, and you remember the the example yeah, that that was, guy that was, was probably setting. twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Anybody else? Any final thoughts? I'm going to steal a line from Thirty Three Series. Yeah, and because this, I think this applies no matter if you're seasoned or you know not seasoned. Show up. Yeah, you just got to show up. Yeah, that's a big deal. Is just being willing to be present in another man's life. All right. Nathan, anything come to mind? And be willing to learn and take advice from someone. Yeah. You know, Daniel takes advice now. <laughs> <laughs> I was the same way. You know, I know everything. Yeah. You know, be willing to accept advice. And like you said, spit the bones out. Yeah. There's a nugget of truth there somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, I have, I have often told people that we need to be, as believers, we need to be hot people looking for fat people. So we need to be honest, open, and transparent, hot H-O-T. We need to be honest, open, and transparent with our lives. And we need to look for people that we will invest in who are fat, faithful, available, and teachable. Fat, faithful, available, and teachable. So hot people looking for fat people to spend some time with and point them to Jesus. Uh, It just doesn't get any better than that. So it's a great way to spend your time. Thank you so much, guys. This is going to bring us to a conclusion uh, for episode 17. But next week, we've got a real treat Um, A couple of weeks ago, I had my small group that I call my wise guys on the on the um, podcast. And so next week, we're going to hear from their wives about why it is so important for their husbands to be involved with a men's small group. So be on the lookout for episode 18 next week. And we will look forward to talking to you then. God bless you.